Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. As we begin worship today, we sing a song, a hymn about baptism. In fact, as you see on the front of your order of worship, there is an image from the faceted glass windows that are in our sanctuary to your right. This is a picture of baptism by some of the earliest English Baptists, the early 1600s. It's John Smith baptizing Thomas Helwood. Uh, they're in Dutch uh, Holland uh, on their way back to England. On this day where we think about baptism, let's imagine being surrounded by the love of God, immersed in the grace of God, and being brought forth as new creations in the hope of God. And now we sing, let's stand together as we do so. love our neighbors or our enemies as Christ commanded. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Remember our baptism 
and claiming God's love, we lift our voices in praise. Welcome again to the worship of God as we gather in the church's original sanctuary, which was built in 1954. As you know, the sanctuary to your right is where we meet most of the year. But during the summer, we are given the luxury of being in this intimate space where we can hear one another sing and connect with each other in friendship. So welcome to this place of worship. Welcome especially to those of you who are guests and visiting with us today. Uh, we're glad that you're here. There is on the order of worship on the edge a response card. If you're a guest, if you'll take a moment to put your name there, it'll help me connect name and face with you, and then drop that in the offering plate when it's passed. Um, for all of us, it's an opportunity for the request of prayer. And you can place a prayer request on that, drop that in the offering plate, and it is an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need every week. So uh, feel free to do that. As we gather on this day, uh, Daniel and I and others have been preaching every Sunday during the summer uh, a sermon to go with the morning's church school topic, the doctrines that we've been studying. And today was the last one, uh, the doctrine of baptism. And so the scriptures that you'll hear read echo that baptism. Uh, the sermon that you hear will hold forth the idea of baptism. And so I encourage us all to be surrounded by the waters of grace. We might need that this week more than others because it's been a thick week, thick with good things. Some have worked on a habitat bill that our church is doing for several weeks. Some of us gathered at Sid and Don Janney's house for a launching of the church year with our new people on the church council, the committee chairs and, and ministry team leaders. Uh, some of you were at the choir retreat yesterday to begin the choir year planning for Advent music already. So it's been a thick week, but also thick with praying for those in Hawaii because they were in Hurricane Lane's way. Also, praying for the family of Senator uh, John McCain, one of the American heroes uh, that uh, died yesterday. Also, praying for immigrant families that deal with the, the pain and the wound of separation. So with all of these both wonders and wounds, we come to this place immersed in God's grace and love, and we tune our hearts to hearing about the glad river of God. Welcome.
those who have suffered loss, that you would be with them in a special way, giving them courage and hope to face the future. Make us ever mindful of the joy of our salvation and the peace of living in your presence. We ask these things in the name of our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, God has surrounded us with grace, and Jesus Christ exemplified God's grace. We are immersed in love. A reading from the first letter of Peter. For Christ also suffered for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Here ends the second lesson. Children, at this time, if you'd come forward. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all this morning. I brought a couple of things with me this morning. You notice how when we process in and we sit up here, we're wearing these different colored stoles. You've seen these different colors, right? Well, green is the color of ordinary time. Even in extraordinary times, we sometimes celebrate the ordinary. Now, white is a special color. You can touch that if you like. You want to touch that and pass it around for me? White is used on several different Sundays. We use it uh, during Easter. You'll see us wearing white. And there's a Sunday in January, which is the Baptism of the Lord Sunday, where we'll wear white. The Baptism of Jesus, because even Jesus was baptized. And when baptisms happen in the church, the person getting baptized wears a special robe, okay? It may not be exactly the size, depending on the person, but it is white. The color is white. 
kind of like the snow, which is so clean and pure, or kind of like a, a dove which came down from heaven that's white when Jesus was baptized, and the heavens were open, and a dove came down, and God said to Jesus, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Did you know that's in the Bible? Jesus was baptized. And so too are those who make a decision to follow Christ for their whole life. They are baptized. Now, I remember a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago actually at all, where Mary Frances, my daughter, came to us with tears in her eyes and said that she had made a decision to follow Christ. And we had tears in our eyes too. And pretty soon, some months later, in a church, there was a baptismal pool, it's called the baptistry. I baptized Mary Frances. And I think maybe everybody in the congregation had tears in their eyes too, tears of joy. Because God's own child had decided to follow Jesus for her full life the rest of her life. And there may come a time in your life when you decide to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, and you might get baptized. And it's something maybe happening within you where you feel these strong emotions that you want to follow Jesus. And when we have strong emotions, we like to tell them to other people, and the church can be a place where we can show that. What's going on inside you can be shown to the entire congregation the grace that God is doing within a person who has decided to follow Jesus can be shown in this wonderful ritual known as baptism. We have a, a, a baptistry in the sanctuary. We pull back the curtain, and there's a baptistry back there. And someone might one day wear a white robe. And someday someone might be baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and I imagine when that happens, God says, my own child, I love you, I always love you. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Amen.
The story of the baptism of Jesus is one of love, blessing, and challenge, a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them, saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also was baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily in the form of a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm going to be preaching the sermon uh, standing right here today, and so in case there are uh, line of sight issues, you can adjust for windage and elevation, and move to the left or to the right, uh, or stand up, I suppose. Uh, I want to preach today on the topic of baptism, and the sermon title has come from this book, a book written by Will D. Campbell entitled The Glad River. In fact, this very copy of the book was given me by Aunt Jane and Uncle Bill because Will Campbell gave it to them and signed it years ago. So the sermon title comes from the book, but the book's title comes from uh, Psalm uh, 46 that we heard read at the beginning of the service that has that beautiful poetic imagery of the realm of God and the holy city that says, and there is a river that makes glad the city of God. And so this sermon is about the glad river. Now, there are many things to be said about baptism. Some of them were said this morning in our church school class uh, uh, downstairs by Lloyd Allen. Steve, Steve and I decided we will not be inviting Lloyd back <laughs> with uh, all of the things he said. But if, uh, <laughs> if you're uh, interested in the important aspects of baptism, of the differentiation between different denominations and different uh, parts of the Christian faith, uh, then there are theologians among us that can talk those over. What I wanted to do today was to gather up the big picture. In fact, I want to tell you what I believe is the most important thing about baptism. There are many important things, but let me tell you what I believe is the most important thing. It is not the most important thing uh, for you to be baptized in the right bayou or creek or stream as 
Kathy Wooten was baptized in, or Kurt Thomas in our church was baptized in. It's not the most important thing to be baptized in a right baptismal font, font that would be near the narthex or standing next to the chancel. It is not the most important thing to be baptized in a frozen lake that you had to cut the ice away to get to the water. It's not even the most important thing to be baptized in a baptistry that is chilly at best and rusty uh, most of the time. All of those are important, but for me they are not the most important thing about baptism. The most important thing about baptism is knowing that in each of these tributaries of grace, that they all come from the same source. And the source is the glad river. The glad river that the psalmist referenced in Psalm 46, the river that flows by the throne of God that the writer of Revelation referenced, that we, regardless of where the baptism took place, we are all baptized out of that holy water that comes from the throne of God. To me, that matters how I live my weeks because some of the time it's like I've gone over a waterfall in that uh, life has become suddenly difficult. Other times it's like riding the rapids because it's become dangerous. Sometimes it's like gathered by still waters like in the 23rd Psalm, and other times it is like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The good news is the glad river of God, the water that I was baptized in and you were baptized in, all flows from the same source. And to me, that is the most important and the best news about baptism. Now, that having been said, I want to come back to a story that for me helps hold up this whole notion of this important thing of the source of baptism. Matter of fact, it's the one that Will D. Campbell talks about here in the Glad River, and I want to hold that story up for you. It is a story about friendship, really, but even more so it's a story about baptism. It's a story that starts with two friends that became lifelong friends, at least as long as the life lived, uh, through basic training. They went to basic training in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Now, if you have ever talked to anybody who despised their time in Louisiana, all you have to do is ask them, which years were you in Fort Polk? And they will let you know. Fort Polk is a place where the heat is high and the humidity is worse and the pine trees are tall and the red clay is hard and the mosquitoes, the mosquitoes are so big you can put a saddle on them. That's Fort Polk. Well, some of you know of Fort Polk. That is where the two main characters of this book met. One is named Dukes. D-O-O-P-S. It's short for his whole name of Dukes Lashen, but nobody can pronounce that or say that, so they just nicknamed him Dukes. Now, Dukes is from southern Mississippi, and I think that's the right number of syllables, Mississippi. Dukes is from southern Mississippi, 
and he grew up in a Baptist family. Everybody he knew was Baptist. There were more Baptists than people in southern Mississippi. And yet, Dukes had gotten to adult life and had never been baptized. He had gone from being not as an infant, not as a youth, not as an adult. He had never been baptized. And his reason for never being baptized is because he said there are no Baptists left in the world. Now, whenever Will Campbell, I heard him tell that story several times, whenever he would say that, he would then say to the audience, yes, I know many of you think there are too many Baptists in the world. But he said Dukes would not be baptized because he believed there were no more Baptists in the world, and thus no one to be able to do the baptizing. He was a historian. He had read his histories. He had studied the history of the Baptist movement from the 16th century. He had studied about the Mennonites and then the Anabaptists, the again Baptists. And he had studied about their value system, and he could name them. For instance, they were pacifists. They would not bear arms to defend the state, that is, they would not carry firearms. They did not believe in capital punishment. They would not swear allegiance to the state or any symbol of the state. And so you can see, as Dukes looked around, there are no more. If that's the real Baptists, then there aren't any left in the world. There's no one left to do the baptizing. So he had gotten to Fort Polk in basic training and had never been baptized. Turns out he made a new friend there, a friend from South Louisiana. His name was Fordash Arsenault. You can't spell that with some U, without some U's and some X's. Fordash Arsenault. Nobody could spell that or pronounce that either. And so since the name started with the word Ford, they just called him Model T for short. So Dukes and Model T, this non-Baptist and this South Louisiana uh, Cajun French Catholic became best friends. They go into World War II together, go to the Pacific. Uh, Model T was in a bad artillery bomb blast, and it took with uh, the bomb one eye and one ear. And so as Dukes recovered, he discovered that to look at you, he had to look this way, but to hear you, he had to turn this way, which Will Campbell said is not a bad vocation in life to spend your life shaking your head at all the craziness in the world. They both survived World War II, were best friends. Life went on, but a great tragedy came about. One of their friends was murdered. And part of that great tragedy was that Model T was accused of the murder. In fact, he went to trial in there in the South Louisiana courtroom. There wasn't evidence, but there wasn't evidence to prove innocence either. And so he was convicted of murder. He was sent to Angola, which is a state penitentiary. He was sent to Angola to live his days on death row and then be executed by the state in the electric chair they called Old Sparky. 
Well, there he spent his time, and he was often visited by his best friend, Duke. And then finally, the day came for his execution. There was the warden, there was the guard, there was Fort Ash Arsenault, there was the chaplain, and then there was his best friend, old Duke. And Duke said, uh, well, I have a question for you before they, they take you to the execution chamber. Would you baptize me? Turns out that from Duke's perspective, there was really only one Baptist left in the world with all of those qualifications, a French Catholic South Louisiana Cajun, that Fort Ash Arsenault was the last Baptist in the world. And before the stake killed him, Dukes asked him to baptize him. Now come to think of it, if you're going to be baptized, somebody has to do the baptizing. You've got to ask somebody for that, a community, someone to do the baptizing. Dukes asked old model T. I remember when Liz tells her story, Liz is with her brother in Asheville today, when Liz tells her story, she asked her church, and on that day, I think it was an Easter day, she had on the white robe, was standing at the top of the baptistry, and an older woman named Martha Raymond was standing behind her with her hands on Liz's shoulders. And Liz, as she tells her baptism story, says, I remember to this day Martha's trembling hands. She said, I don't know if uh, Martha had palsy. I don't know if it was early Parkinson's. Or I don't know if it was the, the scary stuff of that sacred time. But Martha's hands were trembling on Liz's shoulders. And as Liz tells the story, she says, and you know, I suspect that my call to ministry, to become an ordained woman minister in the church, had its beginnings with Martha's trembling hands. You have to ask somebody to help with your baptism. I remember when I was 10 years old, some of you have heard me told, tell the story that the minister at our church had had polio as a young man, and his arms hung at his side like dead pendulums. They did not work. And so how do you do baptism by immersion if your arms don't work to be able to do the baptizing? And thus he, he asked a deacon to help. And I've always been proud that I was baptized by a Baptist deacon. Wilton Avery stood right there. I stood right here. And Don Harbuck stood by our pastor in the baptistry saying the holy words, buried with Christ in, in believers' baptism. I think at that time we said buried with Christ uh, unto death and then raised to walk in newness of life. Don said the words, but it was the deacon who did the baptizing. As I think about it, Don was a wounded man, and yet he was with me in the baptizing. Martha was a wounded person who had something that caused the shaking, a wounded person 
as with old Fort Ash Arsenault. You can't get baptized alone. Somebody has to do that. Jesus went to John to be baptized. Cornelius asked Peter to baptize him. And the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, asked the deacon, Philip, will you baptize me? It takes someone else to do the baptizing. Old Dukes knelt there on death row in Angola State Penitentiary, and he was baptized by his best friend, Fort Ash Arsenault, who reached over to a basin of water on the floor and with his hands cupped and made a bowl and did the messy act of baptism there and said in the ancient patriarchal words, in the name of the Father, and covered his head with water. In the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And Dukes was baptized. Whatever day came about for him, be it rapids of water, a waterfall, still water, whatever came his way, he never forgot that day. And they took him off, they took Fordash Arsenal off to be baptized. No, to be buried after the state children. Whatever comes your way this week, just remember where the water comes from. The water that Fordash used did not come from the stream or the creek or the bayou, from the font, the baptistry, or the frozen lake. It came from the same place the water came for you. It came from the glad river. It came from the throne of God. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is spoken, an invitation to dedication is given. And we sing a hymn that seems to bring us to that decision and affirm the presence of God. Now, the hymn that's listed as a hymn of dedication is the hymn that we were going to sing until the pastor changed it. And I've decided that uh, we've just got to sing that one, you know. It's number 687, that hymn that is called Shall We Gather at the River. This, the one that speaks of the glad river that comes from the throne of God. We're going to sing all of the stanzas, and I think we're going to sing the last stanza a cappella because you sing so well in the chapel. Let's stand together and sing.
some celebrations, and I want to share with you a few of those this morning. Um, as we've announced several Sundays, we have a Habitat for Humanity build through the, the end of this calendar year. Sign-up opportunities uh, at the Narthex here or the other entrance over there uh, for uh, Saturdays coming up this fall. Um, wanted to make you aware that the Triple E will be kicking off on September 11th, our own Triple E, uh, which is an organization that is for senior adults of all ages. So all are invited to that, and uh, that will be on uh, the second Tuesday of every month. There's a $5 luncheon. We'll kick off on September 11th, where we'll be visited by the widow of Dr. Kent Anglin, who was the interim pastor of Northside Drive Baptist Church uh, previously, uh, and she'll be reading some of uh, Kent's prayers uh, during that time. Look for this at the uh, either entrance. Um, also, uh, coming up um, soon, I've been trying to recruit a team uh, that would play kickball on our softball field against St. Luke's Lutheran Church down the road. And wouldn't it be great if we could do that on Reformation Sunday? <laughs> and I can just imagine the t-shirts now, right? You know, you can see that old uh, John the Baptist uh, painting you're probably familiar with where he looks like a wild man in the desert, you know, and maybe Martin Luther. I, I think we need some T-shirts, but we need some kickball players, actually. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Several have signed up, and by several, I mean four. <laughs> I wonder if there's a deacon. I wonder if there is an acolyte. I wonder if there's a church member right now who can play kickball. Jim Lester. <laughs> Hallelujah. All you got to do is kick the ball, friend. That's all you got to do. If you're interested, see me afterwards. Church school kickoff on September 9th. That's two Sundays from now. We'll be blessing the backpacks of the children. Bring your backpacks. Parents, bring your children and the backpacks. We'll be blessing them then. We'll have a potluck breakfast. Bring your favorite breakfast item, and that'll be sponsored by the adult education team. And then finally, uh, No Church School next week. We, uh, we ended our church summer series, No Church School next week. Of course, we'll have worship at our normal time of 11 a.m. That's Sunday, and celebrating communion. Turning to our own congregation, uh, you've heard some of the celebrations and concerns already. Uh, choir retreat went great, and the church council met uh, under the generosity of the Janney uh, family this week, had a great time. Many are recovering from surgery and from other illnesses. We lift all of you up in prayer. And we continue our prayer and our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. And a special treat, Dr. Steve Sheely will be playing the hammered dulcimer in just a moment. We welcome Dr. Sheely. Thank you. Thank you. 
Loving God, our hearts have been strangely moved today as we've heard the songs of the strings of our hearts remembering the gift of prayer. And though it may have been a sour week, it's been a sweet hour here. We pray that these tithes and offerings would be a part of the grace of God that gifts the world this week. And we join in the glad river those that precede us and those that follow us who love to be a part of your great world. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I love that hymn. I rocked my firstborn to that hymn to sleep every night. And today, as a 39-year-old, he's being voted on by First Baptist Church of Weaverville, North Carolina, to become the pastor. As we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. And may the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you peace and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. Amen.